Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and here we are once again in the Gospel of Matthew. And right before uh, New Year's Day slash New Year's Eve, uh, it's Friday by the time this will air, so just a couple days here um, ahead of the new changing. And uh, I have to say, reflecting back on Christmas, we had a very successful Christmas and really reflecting back on the year in our church. We had a very successful year. Saw a lot of nice growth, a lot of uh, younger families coming, and we've had some transplants and uh, we've had new people who have moved to the area and and, uh, have started coming on a regular basis. And that is just uh, absolutely tremendous. So I'm very, very happy with how 2023 came out. And, uh, you know, I'm very optimistic about 24. And I'm very excited for what the Lord has in store for this community. But uh, so that's, you know, it was a great Christmas Eve and a great Christmas Day service. And I'm very thankful that so many were able to join us in worship of of our Messiah to be born. So now we continue on in the church calendar and we continue to look at uh, the text uh, from the eyes of Mark and John. Those will be our focus for the year uh, in the lectionary in our church. So I'm kind of debating whether I'm going to follow those patterns and use that text, the recommended text, or if I might do a series or two on my own. I haven't really fully decided to yet or committed to anything indefinite, but that's what we are, you know, what we could potentially do. So, but in the Bible study at our church, I'm going to leave it to the people who attend it um, to make the decision. We can either go into the gospel of Matthew and, uh, and really all four Gospels for that matter, because we were working through the lives or through the life of Jesus through the eyes of the Gospel accounts. And so we've been looking at all four Gospels and we were right around, I think, Matthew 13 is where we left off. So we spent a good year uh, working through that. And if they decide to pause, we might do a study on uh, the end of times. So we might take this year and study the end of times. Uh, as our main focus as kind of the world seems to be in utter chaos at the moment. So it might be a good study to help kind of ease the tension and ease the burden in people's lives. So 
But for this show, you can go back and listen to all of our uh, shows on eschatology. We dropped those back in 2020 and then 2021. And uh, if you're interested in all that, we did a pretty extensive study then. And uh, But now going forward, it's still the Gospel of Matthew. We're in the 20th chapter now beginning this week. And so we will be looking at these first 16 verses today. And of course, this will be a parable that Jesus speaks. And uh, we'll tie this in uh, to its placement and understanding and work through it. And uh, and that'll be that. Um, next week, um, there's three short sections left. Um, 17 through looks like 34 here is the end of the chapter. Um, but we have Jesus foretelling his death a third time a mother's request, and Jesus healing two blind men. So the mother's request might be the main focus, but I think we can wrap up chapter 20 next week and get through all three sections. And then we'll work on 21 as the triumphant entry. And then we'll place uh, that into the perspective of Palm Sunday and how uh, that is going to lead us now to the cross. So 21 to the end is essentially the end of the ministry of Christ. We are pretty close to that border here, uh, working on chapter 20. So let us begin with the first verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he went, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You go to the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came and the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those who were hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them was received a denarius. And after receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have paid them equal to us, who have borne the labor and borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to him, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. So again, a, a parable set up, and it's a really uh, quite a fascinating one, and we see you know, uh, these different people coming into the vineyard, and they all will end up receiving the same reward, the same payment, even if they've only worked an hour versus the entire day. So let's put this into some context. Obviously, we, we, we like to know how we're dealing with the text and how it is uh, to be read. And, and I've said it a number of times on the show before, you know, taking consideration that when Matthew wrote this, that there were not chapters and verses or section breaks, that this was one long, cohesive uh, text. And now we have, you know, the, the chapter markers and the verse markers and 
you know, the, the newer translations in the Bible all have little nifty section headers to kind of talk to, you know, give you a kind of a precursor of what's there. And so it, it would be hard for us to just read 19 and then get into 20 and think we're in a whole different section because, you know, you think kind of in the construct of how we read books that the chapter, you know, the beginning of the chapter is now a, a new scene, a new place and something different than what was previously discussed. But that's not often the case with the Bible. Uh, even when you see chapters happen, it is not necessarily the changing of a location or scene. It just simply can be the changing of a topic or the changing of attention or audience, perhaps. But in 19 and 20, we, we have one cohesive kind of movement, and we've talked about this in the last few episodes, but now we get into 20, and we're, you're, we're getting a, uh, a, a reflection back to verse 30 of chapter 19, and it is very similar in construct to verse 16 in this, the last will be first and the first last. So this parable is essentially the middle, the middle meat of those two verses from verse uh, 30 in chapter 19 to verse 16 here in chapter 20. So this bracketing structure suggests that God's mysterious ways of revising or revising things is the parable's point. It's it, reversing things, I should say. So that this is kind of the understanding to the, the, the greater things in the gospel and how it affects us. It is not always just something that we can address and assert that, you know, because I was a Christian early in life that I'm going to receive, you know, X, Y, and Z reward because I labored through life and I slaved through life and I endured hardships and, and I should get a better reward than the person who comes to Christ maybe minutes, days, weeks, months, or something before the end of their life. My reward should be greater. And what God is showing us and what Christ is demonstrating here is that that's not the case. It is always the reversal of what we think from a human perspective. We think that if we put in more work, we put in more effort, we will receive more reward. Now, from a secular perspective, in most cases, that is going to be true. If you are in a job and you work harder, you show up early, you dedicate yourself more than the person that was just hired or the person who doesn't put in as much work, there are good chances that you will succeed or uh, or go further, excel further than that other person. And that's a very common thing in the workforce, in the workplace, and that's why we think in, in the construct of this verse, like that's what should traditionally happen. If we place ourselves here, we would be acting as those people who, you know, were hired in the morning. Well, I've done my work. I've done my job. Shouldn't I receive more just payment? And we, we essentially would despise those who came late because we would think that they were not worthy for this reward, for this payment. So let's look into this parable just a little bit closer. I mean, it's, like I said, it's fairly straightforward. There's not a whole lot that needs to be, uh, I think, hopefully explained, but we'll do it anyway, just so you feel comfortable reading the passage. You know, like I say, you know, I haven't really actually maybe declared it in a while or said it in a while, but the show is purpose is to take these texts and break them down and explain them. So that way, anybody from any denominational background or any theological background can listen to the show, hear the passage and get 
even just a basic understanding, okay, this is I get, you know, this is what I hear going on. This is what I see happening. This makes sense to me. It's easy for me to follow. It's easy for, easy for me to understand. My purpose and premise of the show has always been never to make this super complicated or this massive theological deep dive into all these complex seminary level uh, theological degree debates and all that stuff. I just take the stuff and make it simple for people to hear because there are more Christians out there than there are academics. And those Christians are the ones that need to hear these passages explained. And so that's why I do this show. It is for you. And as much as I love the theological debates and discussions and all that, that is not really the purpose of the show. So let's uh, dig into this. As I said, we kind of are setting up the um, brackets, if you would, between verse 30 of chapter 19 and, and the end of this little parable here, showing that the first will be last and the last will be first. That's the reversing of the human perspective. So we start with the master of the house here in verse 1, the owner, manager of a household, very similar, uh, you know, very uh, straightforward here. Uh, some people could also even equate the master of the house to uh, be Christ, you know, going out into the world and gathering these labors. Basically, this could be uh, the labors could be the day laborers. This could be missionaries. It could be pastors. It could just simply be Christians. There's a few different ways that we, you can read this parable. But the best way that I've had it explained to me is simply this. The master of the house is Christ. The laborers are Christians. And that is a general scope in that Christian, you know, title falls to missionaries, pastors, and lay people. Uh, and it comes from every denominational background, whether you're Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, you fall into the category of a laborer. So you are designated to work. You are to work in the vineyard. The vineyard is the world. That is the you know the mission field, if you would. That is where we are to go out and preach the gospel, share the gospel, and be the light to the world. This is not anything that is un not new. I should say to Matthew. Matthew records that uh, you know, especially in chapter five with the Sermon on the Mount. You know, you are the light of the world and the salt of the world, and so those are. You know, important passages to reflect upon, especially when looking at chapter 20 here and seeing now that you are a laborer going into the vineyard or you are on mission into the world to share the gospel of Christ. Uh, so the the way they start here in verse 3, the third hour, um, this would be approximately 9 a.m. But, you know, this is Again, a parable that's describing the construct of a day. So you'll see the third hour, the eleventh uh, hour, the sixth hour, you know, and the end of the day. You'll see all these different variations of time. And the, but but this is also can be viewed in the construct of life. The nine a.m. or in this case here in verse three, the third hour is early in life. You know, you you grew up in the church. You've always had strong faith. You've always been a believer you've shared your faith, you've worked your faith, you've, you know, persevered into the end, right? So that's the uh, three-hour markers. So, like I said, there's, those are the, probably the easiest ways to really read this text. Yes, it is a parable, and yes, it is talking about just this, you know, master of the house going out and hiring workers to work his vineyard. Well, again, it's a very common way to teach in this 
uh, time period with Christ, and this would have been a common thought process or something that they could equate to uh, understanding, if you would, for the disciples, that they knew that this, you know, what these meant. So it was not an uncommon thing to know that there were people who just were general laborers and they waited for somebody to come by and hire them. And then those people that would be hired would end up going to work on, you know, whether it was like construction work or vineyard work or labor, but it would all be focused around, you know, doing something manual, manual labor. So the third hour here in verse three, again, kind of points us to a 9 a.m. You know, that's the start time, the nine to five workday type thing. Uh, They are standing by idle and they desperately need to work. So the master of the house comes and he says, go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give to you. He doesn't set any specific wage for this group. Uh, He just promises them to be paid fairly. He just says, whatever is right to you, that's what I will pay you. And then now we move into verse five and we get to the sixth hour and the ninth hour. hour. So you have now noon and 3 p.m. approximately being used here. So you have the uh, people who've been working since 9 a.m. and now you have people coming in at noon and 3 uh, to work. And so now you're kind of getting those reinforcements in the middle of the day. Uh, verse 6, you got the 11th hour, which is an hour right before quitting time. So this would be probably about 4 p.m. Uh, in the time. And if we take you know the construct of the uh, life view, if we would, you know, if we say that we are the laborers and the different times are the different times in our lives, I wonder if you can hear that. My wife is vacuuming right above me on hardwood floors, which is kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> we had guests over the weekend, so everybody's <laughs> laughed and now my wife's cleaning the house. Um, so if you can hear it, I'm sorry. But, you know, hey, this is how we roll on the show. It's a live recording and I don't usually edit any significant mistakes out or pause because, hey, it's background noise. And, you know, I'm a pastor in a basement recording a podcast for you. So if you take into consideration the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour in the construct of life, and then you get to the 11th hour, the third, sixth, and ninth, you know, relate to points in life when we come to Christ, you know, early or middle or towards the towards the late or the um, or towards the very end, you know, uh, the 11th hour being that the ninth hour is uh, approximately 3 p.m., the 11th hour then would be probably actually closer to 5 p.m. So they would, uh, so that, you know, being two hours later. So the 11th hour would be that later in life coming to Christ. You know, maybe you're an elderly person or maybe you were given a prognosis of a terminal illness or something and you don't have a lot of time left to live or just by sheer lifespan, you don't have many years left to live. I mean, we, we all know that we're not going to live forever. So coming to your 60s and 70s and 80s, if you come to Christ, then you're certainly closing, closing in or at that 11th hour, you know, and I pray that you don't, you know, come right before death, but there are, te- there are times when um, you will notice that people come late in life uh, to, to Christ. And guess what? We praise God and thank him for being merciful to that person. So we, uh, verse six, the 11th hour is just before quitting time here in the parable, moving on to seventh. But um, you know, the, the, before we get there, the master of the house says, you've been staying here idle all day. They said, yeah, because nobody's hired us. 
Uh, this is interesting because, you know, hiring these men to only work an hour was, was a significant offering of charity here, ensuring that they would have gotten food that day as well. So this is, um, this is significant to uh, kind of demonstrate and paint, if you would, the mercy of the, of the master of the house because this probably didn't happen very often. Generally, they would probably stop gathering people after the, the ninth hour if they would even get that far. They would probably just get people immediately there at the third hour and then maybe again at the sixth hour. But rarely would you ever have people um, get picked up with an hour to spare because it would be, you know, from a business perspective, it would be a waste of wages because they're only working an hour and they're not going to produce a full day's wage or full day's work for you, for you to pay them. So these men uh, are hired here in verse seven, obviously, like I said, a showing of generosity and charity. And now the days come to an end. So he calls the foreman to him and says, pay pay the wages. He says, with the last up to the first, pay them each a denarius, right? So the foreman goes out and he gathers the workers and he pays them all the same. The people who came last get the denarius. The people who came first get the denarius. So verses 10 through 12 um, summarize this. The first people hired thought because, hey, you know what? Those guys came just now they got it paid a denarius. Maybe we might get two denarius. We might, you know, we might get a significant amount more because we've been here working all day. And remember, at the beginning of the parable, the master, the owner, does not give them a wage. He does not say, "We will, you will work for this wage." He just says, "Whatever's fair to you, I will pay." So the expectation of those hired first would receive more seems a, an actual reasonable response. But recall that they agreed to the denarius wage beforehand. They re- all agree that this is what we would be, they would get paid. So the verse 13, uh, he replies to them and he addresses them friend. And this is, applies in association, not merely just a, a personal affection. It means, you know, familiarity to it. And verse 14 carries on. Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. The I will here is emphasized, uh, and it emphasizes the master's decision regarding the pay of those who were hired later lies completely within his discretion, right? The master controls what the wages will be. It is his decision. That's the same thing if you work in a company. The, The owner determines the wages or pay ranges for particular positions. And it is up to the manager and the HR team and the owner to decide the wages of people coming in. And if you have more experience, you would get hopefully a higher wage. So as I mentioned, it's not an uncommon thought for these people who were first to assume that they would get paid more. And yet the agreement upon wage was always a denarius. That's what they uh, essentially set out to work in. So again, it's pretty straightforward, but it is at the master's discretion and it's his gener- it's his decision to be generous to those who come late. Uh, but it doesn't mean that he shortchanges those who come first. On the contrary, those who are hired first receive the wage mutually agreed upon 
And this is really the same. Being a part of God's kingdom is not based on earning or deserving anything, but it's rather on grace. And I think sometimes we as Christians can get lost in that kind of muddiness of it and even get maybe a little bit taken aback that, you know, we grinded our whole lives for the gospel. We, we endured hardship and persecution and hatred. And yet this person that comes to faith at the end of their life is going to get the same reward as we do. And yet we should be in reflection of this and saying, praise God, because they heard the gospel and believed, and now they are no longer on the track to damnation. Praise God for that. That should be the outcome of the Christian faith. It doesn't matter whether we slaved our whole life away, because that is the goal of the Christian, is to keep preaching the gospel in hopes that somebody at some point will hear it and come to faith and believe, whether it's early in life, middle of their life, or end of their life. As long as there's breath in their lungs, we are preaching the gospel to them. And that should be the focus of the Christian. That needs to be the mindset of the Christian faith. And I think often we get kind of trapped in the, you know, these third hour mindsets where that we've been toiling away for so many hours, so many years, and it just beats us to all ends because somebody who, you know, didn't believe or was an atheist all of their lives and all of a sudden towards the end, they become a Christian and, you know, and you grumble because it's like, ah, now they're, you know, they get the same thing that I do, but they hated God for so many years. Well, look at what the apostle Paul did. The apostle Paul was killing people in the name of God because he thought that what he was doing was the right thing. And in reality, we realize that Paul was very far off the track. He was performing actions that had no form of righteousness in them whatsoever. In fact, Jesus stops him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 and, and demands, why are you persecuting me? And from there on, we know Paul goes on to become the greatest apostle to the Christian faith. And those are moments that we get to praise God for. And we get to, we get to sing those hallelujahs that we got to witness somebody come to faith when they didn't deserve it. Because guess what? We don't deserve it. It is all about grace and the generosity of God, the love and mercy and compassion of God to give us the faith to cling to Christ. That is the that is how we should celebrate those people coming in. So serving the Lord's kingdom is a privilege and a labor of love. It's not just something that we take on to gain some sort of monetary reward or even an eternal reward. It is out of love and it's a privilege to do so. When we begin to think that God's kingdom needs or depends on us, we are completely backwards. And it is, in fact, we who depend on it. Through forgiveness and the renewing work of God's spirit, we can indeed be used by God for vital service in his kingdom. And that, to me, is just the most appropriate place for this passage because it really demonstrates that it is uh, us dependent upon God but it is also our privilege to serve in God and serve in his kingdom and to call and preach the gospel to those who have never heard it, those who do not believe, and pray that they will receive it with faith and believe its promises. So uh, that's how I'm going to wrap this passage up today, ladies and gentlemen, right below that 30-minute mark. Today's Friday when this episode will air. I am going to record the Rantathon. It is Wednesday as I record this episode, so I have to get my days in line here. It is Wednesday as I record it, the 27th. This drops on the 29th, Friday. And I'm going to hopefully have my rant recorded either today or tomorrow. 
and that will drop on New Year's Day. So I don't know how long it'll be. In years past, it's been anywhere from 45 minutes to a couple of hours. I don't have any guests lined up this year, but I do have some topics in mind. So uh, hopefully it'll be enjoyable and it should just be me ranting and ranting and ranting about just all sorts of different things. So tune into that if you're into me just kind of picking apart some of the obscure issues going on in the world right now. So ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. I hope you had a very merry and blessed Christmas and I hope you have a wonderful and happy New Year's. And I pray that God continues to pour out his faith and love upon you in the days, weeks, and months, and years to come. Thanks again for all of your support and love. I will see you guys next week as we finish up chapter 21 in Matthew. But in the middle, you'll hear from me on Monday. So thanks again, guys, and have a great week. God bless. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.